here we are. Today's December 22nd. That means in two days, Christmas Eve. In three days, it's Christmas. <laughs> it's here. And I'm thinking about the gifts. Are you thinking about your gifts? Not just that you're giving, honestly, but what you're going to get, right? <laughs> Aren't you thinking, I wonder if I'm going to... In a few days, what, what's it going to be like? Let's suppose you get <laughs> the gift that you exactly want it. You really want it. Maybe it's that Xbox game <laughs> that you've been begging for or, or that new phone that you, you really would like to have but you thought you'd never get. Or maybe, again, it was that rare book or that, that new album. There was just something you, you know in your head, I really would love to get this. And to be even more ridiculous, you've seen the commercials. How about those car commercials when someone hands you <laughs> a set of keys for that brand new car? <laughs> Wouldn't you go crazy? Would you, would you take that and would you just tokenly smile and say, hey, thank you, that's really nice, and wait till somebody else gets to open their gift? I don't think so. <laughs> You would be so overwhelmed, wouldn't you? You'd want to try not to hide it. You wouldn't want to be rude, but, but you would be looking intently at your gift and appreciating every detail. Then you would look at it again to be sure there wasn't something you missed. Suddenly, you got that gift. Suddenly, the world and your life seemed to have a whole new focus, and you couldn't imagine your life without what you just got. Yes, this is what I've been looking for. Yes, that's, that's all pretty dramatic, but I, I think you can already see where I'm going with this. Some gifts take center stage, don't they? And they capture all of your attention along with your life. Friends, the Christmas gift, the Christmas gift, when it's truly understood and accepted, it will have a pretty dramatic and life-altering effect. You just can't sit there, can you? You just can't sit still when you've received that kind of a gift. So let's look again at how that gift was received by these shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verses 9 through 20. Or should I say 8 through 20. Hear now the word of the Lord. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord shone around them, appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, 
they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Here we are, very familiar story, isn't it? The Advent season, really think about it, it's an annual celebration of God coming to us. But I want to suggest right up front, it can never be restricted to one season. It should have an impact on every season of your life and mine for the rest of our lives. And a point of personal privilege here, for many of us as preachers, <laughs> this exciting season, it really can be somewhat challenging when it comes to trying to proclaim an all-too-familiar message with freshness and vitality. Many of you, many of you are so familiar with the message of Christmas. It just doesn't always grab you like a new gift that you're going to receive, honestly. I've heard this before. Friends, for all of us as professing Christians, that is both sad and unsettling. Yes, we preachers, we can be boring, amen? Oh, don't say that. Uh, we can be boring and we can be mundane. But is that the ultimate problem, that I'm not a great motivational speaker to get you pumped up? Is that the real problem? Why doesn't the fact that our God, who has come to us, who is not only with us, not only with us, but he's also in us, and not only is he in us, but he is legitimately for us. Why at times doesn't that seem to make any difference to us? Why are we so familiar with it that in reality it doesn't seem to make any difference to us? We're going to look at this story in Luke through the eyes of the shepherds. In particular, I want to take a closer look at what these shepherds saw and what they did. That really should be an, a haunting question for all of us at this Christmas season. When you look at the gift of the Christ child, what do you see? What do you really see when you look at the gift of Jesus? And even more, what do you do with it? What do you do with that gift? We see in verse 8, the shepherds, what were the shepherds doing? They were just doing their job. Verse 8, they were keeping watch over their flock by night. A lot of sermons and books are written concerning the role of the shepherd and how much that image is used in the Bible to describe God with his people or his sheep. King David, did you know, was a shepherd originally. 
And he himself used that image most clearly in Psalm 23 when he said what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now these shepherds that are declared as the ones who heard that message, we really don't know anything about them personally, do we? Some commentators believe these shepherds were also Jews who were just earning a living. And as Jews, they would have had at least some level of knowledge about the promised Messiah that was going to come and deliver his people. They would at least culturally know, we are waiting. This nation is waiting for that final king. Would you just straighten this world out? We can't wait for the Messiah to come. So they had some knowledge of it. But you also need to know, shepherds sociologically were not regarded highly in society. Some commentators said they were, they were seen, their status was just above lepers. <laughs> You're not really worth listening to in this culture, in this society. They really couldn't be trusted. That was the reputation they had. Yes, there were often, they were often looked on, down on because of, they did some questionable character things they shouldn't have done. But I would suggest to you that the other reasons were just because of the nature of their jobs. Oh, you're a shepherd. That's your job. You know, life, it's a good tangent here. Life can feel cruel and unfair to people who are looked down upon because their job is not as successful as somebody else. Oh, you're just a shepherd. You're just a carpenter. You're just a teacher. You're just whatever. You're not really as high profile. But think about it, friends. Those are the people God first came to. Although their occupation is truly symbolic, when it comes to the message of Scripture, let's not lose sight of the fact. These men were common working class people trying, many of them, to do a job well. These were the people God was to first make his announcement to in declaring to the world, the Savior has come. That in itself deserves some serious reflection and asking the question, why? <laughs> why would God first come to the commoners instead of to the king? Why would he come to the working class people and not to the noble ones who were high society? And what was the first thing these unsuspecting workers saw? Again, think about it. We're just doing our job in the fields with the flocks by night. The first thing that happened, an angelic being directly over their heads, surrounded by light that exploded around them. Brighter than any Monday night football game. Rightfully and clearly, their response was fear. Think about it. The shock value was even greater for them. Remember, this was the first century. No high-tech man-made explosions to light up the skies. Just the beauty of stars and some bright moonlit nights. And here they get to see something they've never experienced. What was the first thing these shepherds heard when they looked up and freaked out and saw this? 
What's the first thing they heard? Fear not. Fear not. I bring you good news. You know, think about it. It was this news was to be for all people. They were hearing it first. This gospel was being preached for the very first time to working class sinners. Dr. Reichen, a former pastor at 10th Church, in his commentary in this section says this. This is proof God didn't come for good people. He came for common, broken people. And don't lose sight of the fact of that personal greeting. What did the angel say to these shepherds? Fear not, I bring you. I'm talking to you. You are this important. I know you by name. I know you personally. This message is for you. Our God looked upon them. The next verse would very possibly resonate in their hearts even more deeply. The promised anointed one that all of Israel had been waiting for was now born. The Savior, the King, the Deliverer, he's here. The nation of Israel had been waiting all its earthly life for the promised Messiah, Emmanuel, God is with us. Shepherds, you're the first people hearing this. You, you got an exclusive audience with the angelic hosts. No one else heard this yet. You are the first ones to hear the Messiah has come. And then to add to the excitement, the angels told them where exactly to find this gift and even how to recognize it. And then, think about it, a huge choir sealed it with an overwhelming concert or cantata, right? <laughs> what an experience. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Can you imagine? We're just working class people trying to keep his sheep in this place. What just happened? An angel blew open the skies, made a statement to us, and it was sealed with a multitude of a choir beyond compare. So, so that's what they saw, right? But what did they do? What did these shepherds do with this message, with this gift? I suggest to you, like you and I would do, I think they immediately started talking to each other about what just happened. They were comparing notes and experiences. I would imagine that the more they talked, the more excited they got. You know, there's no real indication here of how long they took this all in before they left. We don't even know exactly how many there, there were at that momentous event. But can you imagine their conversation? Joe, did you see what I saw? Bill, this was unbelievable. I mean, I, I can't take it in. This is crazy. God just spoke to us. What, what did you hear? What did you think? And they were probably even interrupting this, each other as the conversation got louder. Can you imagine? They were just, this is crazy, Joe. What are we going to do? I think the final and agreed-upon conclusion for all of them 
was that simple statement. Let's not just sit here. <laughs> we can't just sit here and talk about this. we got to do something. I think two things that are worth pointing out in, the, in this context of their response. The first that the Greek word that's used here in describing the shepherds leaving in haste, once again, it doesn't carry as much weight in our English translations. That verb for haste, it really is a passionate sense of urgency, a zeal, a passion. It's not like, hey, what do you think about that? That's pretty cool. We ought to go. Are you crazy? What are we sitting here? Don't sit still. Get up. We've got to do something right away. The need for an immediate response was the effect of a message or an experience that couldn't be ignored. Another interesting observation comes from John Calvin's work on this section in Scripture. You think about it. You would think the angels, after they made this announcement, would have made it a command, wouldn't they? They would have said, look, get up and go to Bethlehem. John Calvin says this, they, the shepherds, they were not plainly and expressively commanded to come to Bethlehem, but being sufficiently aware that such was the design of God, they hastened to see Christ. And then Calvin goes on to make a point for all of us as Christians. Listen to what he says. He says, instead of allowing the word of God, as many do, to pass away with the sound like when it's over, we must take care that it strikes its roots deep in us and manifests its power as soon as the sound has died away from our ears. That means when you and I hear the word of God, I don't want to be the same after it. I want it to have an impact on my life. I don't want to be so familiar with the message that it doesn't do anything to me. In other words, don't just sit there. There were two final things I think the shepherds did with this gift of the good news. That's interesting for us to see. First, they shared it and they sealed it. That is, they told Mary and Joseph exactly what they heard about this baby. And the sealing work of God's Holy Spirit it was at work in their hearts. Imagine this, as they realized what had just happened. The common and general message of salvation, it was being individually confirmed in the hearts of those who heard and believed it. It was almost too much to take in. Think about this scene as the shepherds come to that manger and saw exactly what the angel said. Can you imagine the conversations around that little stall with that little baby that were going on among these common working class people as they realized what they just heard and what they saw? These complete strangers were now sharing an experience they would literally carry to their graves. Even though they were yet to fully understand what just happened, I believe they, like Mary, they would treasure up all these things, pondering them in their hearts for the rest of their lives. The second thing I think the shepherds did, not only is to seal it, to share it, but look what the shepherds did. They went back to work. You see that? What did they do? They returned 
glorifying God and praise. Where did they go? They went back to work. <laughs> they went back to life. But they went back praising God and never wanting to forget what just happened. They weren't suddenly weird religious fanatics who wanted to live some monastic life. They were still common working class people who had an uncommon encounter that would affect everything about them and especially how they lived and worked. Friends, this this brief encounter on a hillside at night would usher in one of the most significant of historic events not only of world history, but of eternal history. The king of glory would come to the world, primarily to common people in an uncommon way. These shepherds, they had a gift they would take with them, and it would be something to behold and not fade. In a real sense, in a real sense, they would never be able to sit still again. For this gift was changing their lives from the inside out. It always had an impact. So what about you and me as we come to this yet another Christmas season? You've sung so many songs. You and I have heard so many messages. We've been so aware of this. What about this Christmas? Friends, those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, I think we should be like Mary and the shepherds. We should be people who are pondering these things in our hearts on a daily basis. Christmas is a seasonal call for all people everywhere. Stop. Think about Emmanuel. At the same time, it should lead us. It should lead us to the final work of this baby, the cross. As you ponder Jesus... Oh, don't just stay at the manger. The more you think about this gift, the more it will lead you to the cross. Mary was spending her life. She would spend her life not only raising this child, but she would be watching and wondering who he really was in her life. And that pondering came to a painful reality at the cross. She watched her son who she gave birth to as he died in agony for her as well as everyone else. My baby died for me. My baby that I nursed and cared for is my savior. He's not my son. He's my savior. Friends, don't just sit there. (laughs) Look again at this baby who was, and why he came. The more you think about it, the more you want to understand it. Jesus has come to bring life, to bring love, to bring forgiveness that we all desperately need. As I mentioned at the beginning, many of you who profess Christ I have to tragically say in my own life too many times, we are so familiar with the story, it doesn't seem to have the same impact. My friends, that cannot be. You can't say Merry Christmas and look at Jesus and say, okay, let's carry on. Do you understand this gift that he's given you? Can you look at it and casually walk away? 
My friends, this cannot be as a professing Christian to say it doesn't have as much of an impact in my life anymore. You don't need another angelic intervention. Look again at the manger. Look again at your own heart. Remember again why he came for you. And I believe if you prayerfully hunger that, after you have truly looked at the face of Almighty God, you will say to yourself, don't just sit there. Get up and go tell it on the mountain, in your life as well as your lips, that Jesus Christ is born. Amen? Amen. Let's be that people. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have come to us. You have come to common, broken sinners who know we are nothing apart from our God intervening in our lives. Oh, God, forgive us. Those who profess to be followers of Jesus, God, forgive us for how casual we take this gift, how much we don't look at it. We look at other things. We get more excited about other earthly gifts we receive than that eternal gift. Oh, God, convict us but draw us back to that babe to see more clearly who he is, what he's done for us. And then God worked that work in us like these shepherds who say we can't sit still. We've got to go tell somebody what we've just seen and heard. Our lives are forever changed. Let us tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And we ask in his name, amen.